This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. My favorite party trick is to have my four-year-old tell everybody what an asset and a liability is every time we go to a party because it is the whole process that we kind of talk through. And so if you're going to live in my house, you're going to know how money actually works. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're talking about millionaires helping their kids become future millionaires. There comes a point in your financial journey when you cross that seven-figure net worth milestone and you're feeling pretty comfortable financially. So what's next then? Well, a lot of wealthy families that I've spoken to turn their attention to their kids and how they can provide generational wealth for their future. And today's guest is focused on doing just that. Andrew Giancola is the host of the popular personal finance podcast. It's focused on helping people control their money so they can live a stress-free and rich life. After achieving a personal net worth of around $1.5 million by age 34, Andrew is now focused on inspiring generational wealth for his young family. When he's not inspiring others through his platforms, he's enjoying spending time with his wife and kids in Tampa and taking in some time for golf. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thank you, Andy. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely, man. Well, this is an inspiring story and I'm excited that you're going to be transparent and help people win like you have. So take us back. When did you start focusing on building your wealth? So I love talking about this because I started from zero and I think I truly believe that anybody in this world can truly build wealth. So when I started off building wealth, the first thing I did was when I graduated college, I took a job making $30,000 per year as a financial analyst. And I very quickly realized that making $30,000 per year means I'm going to be living paycheck to paycheck because I did not really know how to manage my money. And I remember this one moment in time where I went to go fill up a tank of gas in my car. And when I got to the gas station, I looked at my checking account and I didn't have enough money to fill up this tank of gas in my car. And I was 22 years old at the time. And I remember the feelings that this invoked when I, when I did this. And I felt anger. I was, I was frustrated. I was like, I'm never going to let this happen again. So that was kind of like my light bulb aha moment that I do not want to ever have this feeling again of stress, anxiety, and frustration with my money. So I vowed that I would figure out what to do with my money and how I can actually build wealth. So I set this goal without actually understanding what was going on. I said, I want to make $100,000 and have $100,000 invested by the time I turned age 25. So I started to pursue this goal. And the first thing I did was I set up a budget and I used YNAB, a tool that a lot of people know. And the four rules of budgeting just worked really, really well for me. So I started to do that. But I realized very quickly that $30,000 a year, I really wanted to increase my income so I could take those extra dollars and put them towards wealth building activities. So I started to take on a bunch of different side hustles. And side hustles are, were one of the most powerful things for me because I started to create content online, for example. But in addition, I started doing things like flipping items on Amazon. And then I opened a Christmas tree stand. So I was working my full-time job. And then nights and weekends during the Christmas holiday season, I had a Christmas tree stand where I can make extra income as well, the side of the road, real Christmas tree stands. And so I did all these different side hustles. And then I said, okay, now I need to focus on increasing my income at my job. So when I looked at my job, I said, how can I get to the next level at my job? And so I wanted to see 
How can I do that by negotiating my salary and going through that process? So I would look at people above me and say, what are they doing? What skills do they have? And how can I acquire those skills so I can get to the next level? So we created systems to start to get raises and start to get promotions at work as well. And I achieved that goal of, of saving and investing $100,000 by the age of 25. And so that was the really cool point at the very beginning where I said, this stuff is really working. It's, it's slow, it's simple, but it truly is working. And I believe anybody in this world can do this if they have this base knowledge. You took advantage of the main way that we can build wealth that is increasing our income. I mean, we can only save so much or skimp back on things, especially when you're making $30,000 and it just feels really tight. The only way we can go is up from there. So you did that in two ways. You did that with your full-time job and creating new sources of income. You started to talk about your online ventures and jumping into that. I understood over time, you started to build your wealth enough where you said, hey, I think that I can do this online thing solo. So talk to us about that adventure and how you decided to say goodbye to the nine to five eventually. Absolutely. So this story actually has a lot of twists and turns. So eventually what I did after I turned 25, a couple years later, I was really getting into real estate. And I was listening to a podcast, maybe some of your listeners have heard as well, called the Bigger Pockets Podcast. And I got obsessed with listening to this podcast and kind of thinking through how can I invest my dollars in real estate? So what I ended up doing was I found a couple people who owned a bunch of different businesses that had a lot of cash. And so I became their cash partner. So I was the sweat equity partner and they had the cash that invested the dollars into the business. And we started this real estate company, we would buy rental properties. And so we started to do this. I was around the age of 28 when we started to do this. So I left my full-time nine to five job eventually. And we started to build this company investing in real estate. And when we did that, we started to build this portfolio. And over time, it was it was something where I realized this is something where the partnership is I'm doing all the work and my partners are kind of reaping the benefits. They had the majority percentage in the company. And so eventually we came to agreement that we wanted to kind of sell these rentals and move on. The market had gone up. That was just kind of beginner's luck, but the market had gone up over time. And so we sold these rental properties. And once we did that, then I had to figure out, well, what do I want to do next? And it was closer to around the time of COVID-19. And that's where we eventually started the personal finance podcast as well and started to do that. So that was kind of the impetus of how it started and when we got to that point. But it's a twisting, winding journey. So I have a little bit of experience in everything there. Given your experience with real estate rentals and things like that at that point, did it leave you with something that you wanted to try again in the future? Or did it leave you with, ah, I did the real estate thing and I'm good on it now? What are your thoughts on real estate and wealth building? So I love real estate and it's something that I am still interested in investing in in the future. So right now I hold, I don't hold any investment properties at all. And in the future, I'm really aggressively looking here. So one of my big problems is in my specific area, some of the properties don't really cash flow. So for me specifically, now I'm thinking through, okay, I want to look in some other areas and maybe I can invest outside of state so that I can find, you know, rental properties in those areas. So it's still a big portion of what I want to do in the future. And it's something my wife is interested in as well. So we can kind of do this together and kind of go through this process together, which is the beautiful part about that. And so investing in real estate is definitely in my future plans again. And I got the experience and I have the experience in place now. So I kind of understand what to do. We have all the systems in place and everything else. So I think it's going to be a somewhat of an easy transition to go back and start doing again. We talk a lot about those three different pillars of building wealth, of stock market investing, real estate investing, and small businesses. And it sounds like you're pushing hard on the lever of small business right now. Is that the case? That is absolutely the case. So for me, the big thing that I'm interested in is investing my dollars into my business. And then the second place is index funds and ETFs. So I kind of split it between the two, but really my main focus is in the business. 
let's keep going on with the story. You have a net worth of over $1 million and you are in your young to mid thirties. Talk to us about what is inside of that net worth, because I think when people hear net worth, maybe they get a little confused on what does that even mean? So what does it mean to have a $1.5 million net worth? What's in there? Absolutely. So your net worth is the difference between your assets and your liabilities, meaning what you own minus what you owe. And what the difference between those two is, is what your net worth is. So for me, a big portion of my net worth and what I really want the largest portion of my net worth to be is in my investments. So getting as many dollars as possible into my investments. And for me, that is index funds and ETFs. And then in the future, like we just talked about, is I'm interested in investing in real estate as well. So for me, about $750,000 now is in index funds and ETFs. And then the second portion is how much equity I have in my home. So you can take what your home's value is and figure out what that value is and then subtract how much you owe on that home. And whatever equity you have available there is how much equity is available that you can add to your net worth. So for me right now, my home has about $750,000 in equity as well. Now, to be honest, Andy, and a lot of people won't talk about this, but I would much rather have a much higher, you know, portion of my net worth in my investments than in my personal residence, because I don't love a personal residence as an investment long term. I think it gets an average of like 3% historically, but I would much rather have it in my index funds and ETFs. So for me, I would like to increase that net worth on the investment side so that my personal residence isn't so large, isn't such a large portion of my net worth currently. So that's kind of how I think about it right now. But that is where the majority of my net worth is. Now, I don't count cars and things like that. We could add those in there. Business assets are kind of hard to evaluate as well. So for right now, that's kind of where we're standing is between the two. It's kind of a 50-50 right now. I agree with you wholeheartedly on the house thing. We paid off our house and I feel very emotionally prideful on that accomplishment. But it's a house and it's sitting here and it's got a value but it doesn't really provide any income and it grows it, like you said, maybe 3% per year on average, depending on where you are in the country. So I would totally agree with you. So let's dive into the investment side of things. Let's get specific on that 750. You say index funds and ETFs. Is this in retirement stuff? Is this taxable brokerage? Talk to us about that. Sure. So the majority of it is in retirement accounts. And so the taxable is a smaller portion. So in my retirement accounts, my wife and I both have a 401k. So we both have a 401k. Mine's from an old, the old job when I was in the corporate world. And my wife has been continuously building hers over time. So we try to max those out every single year. Now I have a solo Roth 401k as well that I utilize within my business. And so that helps me get more dollars into that as well. Then we're really, really bullish. If you can't tell, I love Roth. So I love the Roth IRA as well. And the reason for that is I love the tax-free growth that you can have within these Roth accounts. And so with that tax-free growth, we max out our Roth IRAs every single year. And we've been doing that since I started investing very early on. So another large portion, each of us have over six figures in each of our Roth IRAs. And then also we max out an HSA and we've been maxing out an HSA for the last four years or so. So we have an HSA available. I love the benefits of an HSA and there's so many cool things that you can do with an HSA. So we have dollars in that HSA as well. And then whatever we have left over, we put into a taxable brokerage. But truly, I want to get as many dollars as I can into those retirement accounts because the tax benefits are so incredible long term. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great way to build wealth and to save on taxes as well. You talked about your wife. Have you guys been in lockstep ever since you got married about building wealth together? You guys have any difference of opinions as a marriage, kids and money show? So talk to us a little bit about that. 
we absolutely had a difference of opinion very early on. And I was kind of the money guy and my wife didn't see the purpose of pursuing financial independence. And very early on, I wanted to pursue what we talk about as lean fire, meaning I wanted to get there as fast as humanly possible so that I could get to fire and I wouldn't have to work anymore. I'd have all this freedom to do whatever I want. And I used to read a blog called Mr. Money Mustache, which I'm sure Andy, you've heard of as well. And it's one where, you know, you get there as fast as possible, you cut back on everything and you do whatever you want. Well, my wife is in the fashion industry. So those two things don't align perfectly always. So we had to kind of, work through some of this stuff and figure out how this stuff works and showing her, you know, how compound interest worked and all those different things. It was incredibly powerful. But one thing I loved that we did very early on is we created what I called blow funds in our budget where we would have two line items where we would put a set amount in each of those line items and you could just spend it on whatever you want. And there was no questions asked, nothing, you know, you could just spend those dollars on whatever you want. Now I would put quadruple the amount in my wife's than I put in mine, but it just worked for our situation. So there's a bunch of little cool hacks that we did. And then as we started to talk about this, now she is completely on board. And sometimes she's more on board than I am, where she is actually become the person who sometimes will be like, well, you know, why is there 15 Amazon boxes at the front door? And you know, I've, you know, I've ordered a million Amazon things. So it's kind of it's funny how it's evolved over time. And it's one of those things where it's it's been a incredible journey to see us both grow together. This is an epiphany that I've come to recently with my relationship with my wife as well. Do you think your interest in Lean Fire had a lot to do with your profession? I think it did. And I think because I'm so numbers minded, and I think because the way that I was looking at financials all the time, I think it had a major impact and they were kind of aligned. But eventually what I saw, and as I had, and once we had kids, I really changed everything. My whole entire mindset changed. And it's amazing how that can happen when you have kids. But my mindset changed on what I really wanted out of life. And it went from wanting lean fire. And in fact, now I'm actually wanting to pursue fat fire. And the reason I, why I want to do that is because I want to give back to cost I believe in and give a large amount of that money away. So a lot of things shift over time. And I think a lot of people got to think through this. It's okay if your goals shift as you go through this process, because life happens and things are going to change. Your perspective is going to change when it comes to fire. So understanding that it's okay that it can shift over time, it's kind of like a spectrum. And once you get to that point, it is really interesting how you can evolve over time and how your goals will shift and how you, when you pursue those goals and have the right steps in place, you can really achieve anything when it comes to your money. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, -on -one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. 
Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. So let's talk about the kids side of things when you and your wife have these conversations and yeah, maybe they're not always the same or a difference of opinions. One big conversation that's come up for a lot of young parents is this whole college thing as we look in the future, especially for a guy who's looking at compound interest charts and, you know, investments and stuff and looking 15 years in the future, 18 years in the future, you know, depending on how old your kids are, just saying, is college worth it? And what are your thoughts between you and your wife? Do you find college to be worth it? And if you do, what are you guys doing to prepare for that higher education expense? I do think college is worth it in a lot of situations. And when I went to college, I didn't really learn as much on the textbook side or in my classes. What I really learned is how to take care of myself in life and how to finish things. And so when I went to college, that was a big portion for me. I think I learned a lot more on the the other side by reading books after I left college and all those different things. But we are preparing for college for our kids. And I think it's a big factor for a lot of people to kind of think through, well, what do you do? Because there's so many different options that you can kind of do when you start to save for college. And the first thing I want to say is, If you are not taking care of your retirement first, you need to be doing that because taking care of your retirement first is the number one thing. There's no loans for retirement. You have to take care of your retirement first before you start to save for your kid's college. But if you are hitting your retirement goals, you're taking care of your retirement, then saving for your kid's college can be something of a priority. So when you do that, I like to use a flexible 529 plan. And That is what we put our dollars in. I think it is one where it gives you a lot of flexibility. It gives you a lot of options when you use this, and it gives you a lot of tax breaks. And those are the three things that I love about it. So that 529 plan is absolutely incredible. Now, what if your kids don't go to college? That's the number one question I always get is, what if my kids don't want to go to college and I've saved all this money in a 529 plan? Well, there's a bunch of options that you have there. There's a bunch of workarounds you can utilize, like using it to study abroad. Maybe you want to study abroad and you can pass it down to yourself. And maybe it's a free trip abroad, but there's a bunch of different things that you can do, or you can just take the penalty. You have those dollars invested. There's a bunch of different options there, but that is kind of the thought process that I think through. And if you're really, truly worried about if your kids won't go to college, you can also put it in the standard brokerage account. The only difference is you don't get some of those tax benefits that you have available. To talk about the flexibility of 529 a little bit more, like Nicole, my wife decided to go back to school last year, and we were looking at which money to use for her to go to her esthetician program, which is a technical training, beauty school kind of thing. And we found that we could use our daughter's 529 to pay for it because we had that money set aside. And yes, ever since then, we've replenished the money back, but it was like, wow, okay, talk about flexibility with an account. So yeah, I agree with you on the 529. Talk about other ways that you're maybe investing for your children to build 
generational wealth. And maybe if you're not doing it now, that's okay. Or maybe things that you're thinking about doing to invest for your children for the future. So I absolutely love this question, Andy. And we started a TikTok account recently and we did, we talked about what we're actually doing for our kids and investing for our kids. And this video went viral. It had 3.5 million views right when we posted it. I couldn't believe it. I, don't, I didn't know what was so special about it. But then I'm gonna talk through kind of the process that we have here. And it's a very simple process and it's absolutely amazing what you can do for your kids because they have so much time for this money to compound. So the first thing that we do is each time one of our child is born, we have two sons right now. My wife wants to have three kids. I want two, so we're going to have three. But we have two sons right now. So each time one of our kids are born, we put $1,000 into just a standard brokerage account. It's just a standard regular brokerage account that we have available there. And we just think of this as like an extra cost, you know, when you pay your hospital bill or anything else when a child is born. We just think of this money as the same thing. Now, if you could put more dollars in in the 1000 then I would absolutely do it because this is incredibly powerful what these dollars will do over time. So that is the first thing that we do. We put it in that standard brokerage account only for flexibility. There's a number of other things that we'll talk about here in a second that we do, but that is what we do as the first thing. Now, every single month, what I do is in each of those, I contribute $100. Now, if $100 sounds like it's too much money for you, you don't want to invest those dollars or you're not taking care of retirement first, make sure you're taking care of retirement first. But any amount of money that you put into this account can really, really compound over time. And it's so incredibly powerful. So even 10, 20, 30 bucks can really make a major difference. And I invest in something like an S&P 500 ETF, you can do index funds, whatever, you know, fits your criteria. But that's where I put my dollars is in an S&P 500 ETF. And so your kids have the ultimate asset, which is time. So that's what those dollars can do is they can really grow over time. And then every birthday or in every Christmas or whatever holiday you, you celebrate at the end of the year, we put $250 into that account. Now that may sound like a lot, but you can put down, you can put less, you can put more, but this is what we do. And I'm going to show you the power of doing this over time, because by the time your child turns age 18, and let's say we take a 10% rate of return. Obviously, we can adjust that down for inflation to you know 7 to 8% as well. But I'm just going to run the numbers here within 10% rate of return so that you can see what happens to this money if it compounds over time. So if you do that, you would have $86,800 in this account by the time they turned age 18. Now, here is the crazy thing, Andy, because if you don't add another dollar into this account, so for the first 18 years of their life, you're adding $100 a month, then you're adding that 250 on their birthday and the 250 at a holiday at the very end of the year, you're gonna have that $86,000. But if you never put another dollar in there past the age of 18, by the time they turned age 65, they'd have $7.6 million in this account. And this is the incredible power of compound interest over time. And you can run these numbers in an investment calculator. You could do whatever whatever rate of return you want to do. But just by doing this, and really what you've invested is about $33,000 over the course of those 18 years to give your children $7.6 million. Now, I got a big kickback on this. And one, you know, TikTok commenters are very mean or a little bit different than some other social platforms. And so I got a kickback of, well, you're spoiling your children if you give them this. You don't have to tell them about this if you don't want to. This is something where you can put it in your will or some other plan that you can have this available to you. So that is the first thing that we do. The second thing that we are doing is next year we're going to be starting this is doing a custodial Roth IRA. And this is one where my accountant kind of keeps pushing me to do this to, is to incorporate my kids in my business like Andy, you do, and kind of bring them into the business because you can pay them, you know, $12,950 tax free, I think is the number. And so 
every single year, but you can open up a custodial Roth IRA. And if they have that earned income, then you can put those dollars into that Roth IRA and it can grow tax-free over time as well. So it's incredible some of the things that you can do for your kids, as long as you're taking care of your retirement and making sure you're, you're hitting your investment goals, your emergency fund is funded, all these different things. It's absolutely amazing the generational wealth that you can build for your children. Yes, starting early for time and compound interest, for sure. I mean, these numbers are impressive. What also you're, you're starting is the habit, and you get yourself into the habit, and then it's hard to break habits. You know, when you do something daily, it's or whatever, you do it on an automated basis, you don't even know you're doing it, it's a lot harder to stop, which is great. That's a good thing, especially if you set good habits in place and have them automated. So I think this is fantastic. I know you talked about your kids being quite young, I think a big part of the the spoiled conversation that maybe the TikTok uh, horrible people are saying to you, I hear them, I hear them. And I think a big part of that is not only just giving a pile of money to children, but it's also inspiring them with the knowledge on how to use it and how to be a good steward. And I know you're your kids are young. Or have you started any conversations with them or lessons with them at their young age? Or, or what are you thinking about doing in the future? So my favorite party trick is to have my four-year-old tell everybody what an asset and a liability is every time we go to a party. Because <laughs> it, is the, it. <laughs> it is the whole process that we kind of talk through. And so if you're going to live in my house, you're going to know how money actually works. And that's one big thing that I'm trying to start as early as possible. So I have a one-and-a-half-year-old, which he is starting to talk now. So sometimes I'm showing him money and I'm just kind of showing him what it looks like and just kind of talking about what the different dollars bills are and kind of just how that process works just for recognition purposes. And then for my four-year-old, we're starting to have money conversations, real money conversations, because he's processing this information. And it's really cool to kind of see how he processes this information. So maybe we'll go buy a house and I'll say, you can buy a house like this and it can make you more money and kind of explain the process of a rental property. Or I'll show him, you know, Disney Plus, for example, if we watch a Disney movie and say, you can actually buy a piece of Mickey Mouse's company. And this is something where you can, you know, own a piece of this company. It's really cool. So we kind of talk through all these processes and I try to just repeat myself a lot when it comes to this because there are a lot of studies that have been done where your money psychology is actually set by the age of seven. So how you actually talk about some of this stuff is really, really important, especially very early on. So I want to make sure that we are having positive money conversations and talking about how money can be abundant and it's something that you can really go out and earn and truly build wealth over time. And so I love having these conversations with my kid and I try to start as early as possible and that's one of the most powerful things that I think you could do. I think there's a lot of people that have had a childhood that they weren't excited with. They said, oh, my parents fought about this, or they always talked about this, or always worried about that. So if you flip the script and your conversations that you're having around your kid are about positivity, about things that you can do to make a difference, things that you can do to build wealth for yourself, they're going to remember their childhood as, wow, my dad and my mom were always encouraging me to create a better life and grow our wealth and do something for our family. I think these conversations are huge. They're almost more important than the investing side of things because you're inspiring that generational wealth. I think that's fantastic. You know, estate planning is a big piece of the puzzle for a lot of wealthy families too. I know you guys are young, but are these things you're thinking about already when it comes to different types of your estate plan? Absolutely. So I really am very pro people having a will at least at the very least, especially if you have any sort of asset whatsoever. Even if you have a dog or something along those lines, having a will in place is you can you can even do it for free a lot of places or I just use an online service to to go open a will as well and you you know it costs 100 bucks or so, but you can set up a will and have that in place because what that does is it just tells, you know, if something happens to you, where do you want some of your things to go? 
Now, if you have over a million dollars in assets, you can consider a trust as well. For me, I still don't have a trust in place because if I have rental properties, things like that, maybe if things get more complicated, then we will kind of implement that. But I think, you know, if you have a hundred million under a million dollars in asset, it's not really something that's very necessary early on. Another big thing for us is term life insurance. And term life insurance is the key word here. I get battles with people on TikTok all the time who are trying to argue with me that life insurance is an investment, but it's one of those things for term life insurance is really inexpensive. And if you have people who depend on you, if you have people who depend on you every single day, maybe you have a spouse or you have aging parents or you have kids, then term life insurance is fantastic. I think I pay $33 a month and it's something I just absolutely love to have in place and, and have that available as well. And then lastly, making sure, and this is what a lot of people miss, make sure that you assign your beneficiaries in your investment account. This is actually a form of estate planning. So making sure that you have those beneficiaries assigned when you open up those accounts, maybe your Roth IRA, your 401k, just make sure you check through all this stuff. You have those beneficiaries assigned so those accounts can go to the right person that you want it to go to if you're not, if something happens to you. So those are some of the powerful things that you can do. But really just doing those three things, having a will in place, if there's people who depend on you having that term life insurance, and then making sure your beneficiaries are set is some of the, the, the beginning things that you can do for estate planning. I think that's great. These are great words and definitely a lot of the things that we're doing as a family too. And I'll be honest with you too, we've done the will. We've had some conversations about the trust. We haven't gotten to that point yet, but that might be something that we're considering in the future as well as we get older and our assets grow as well. You know, there's somebody listening, Andrew, and they're thinking, you know what? I'm a lost cause. There's no way I can build wealth, but I can help my kids. I would rather make sure that they're set and I'll figure it out as I get older. What would you say to that person? I think for that situation, I think a lot of people have to understand it is never too late to start building wealth. And really taking care of your own wealth helps take care of your kids as well. Because what happens is, over time, you can become a liability to your children by not having wealth in place and not having your retirement in place. So understanding that it's never too late to start building wealth. It is never too late to start doing this and making sure that you have this stuff in place because really in the long run, it is going to benefit everybody in your family and generational wealth is one of the most powerful things that you can do for your freedom, for your peace of mind, which is one of the biggest things and reducing that stress and anxiety on you but also your family members as well. And I've seen people in life where their parents are way behind. I've talked to a number of people who listen to the podcast whose parents are way behind and they are so stressed for their parents and they are, they are so worried about this stuff. So if you do this, you can reduce stress and anxiety for everybody around you as well. So it's one of the most powerful things that you can do. And just remember, it is never, ever too late. Absolutely. Yeah. I think sometimes maybe you hear podcasts like this with really incredibly great success stories like Andrew and his family, and maybe you get down a little bit. You're saying, oh, well, I'm not even remotely close to that. I'm going to give up. The fact that you are listening to this, educating yourself and finding ways to improve, that is the first step. So whatever you can do to take the next step, is a great move. So let's talk about the next step. Let's say somebody's listening right now and they're saying, I want to do this. Maybe not by 34 or, you know, I want to do this for my kids. And they're just getting started. We're at the beginning of the year. What's the first thing that they could do following this interview just to get started and building wealth for themselves and then maybe in the future for their kids? One of the biggest things that you can do very early on is understand the levels of wealth. And one big thing that a lot of people will talk about is growing the gap. The gap is one of the most important, important things that you can do. So this is the difference between your income and your expenses. And what you want to do here is first, you're going to look at your expenses and say, do I need to cut back somewhere? And sometimes you can't. If you don't make enough money, sometimes you can't cut back 
And so what you have to do is look at the other side of the equation, say, how can I increase my income? This is what I had to do when I first started is I had to increase my income because I really couldn't cut back much more without really feeling deprived and not enjoying life whatsoever. So looking at the two sides of the coin to increase your income, you can negotiate your salary. You can start to have some side hustles as well and increase that income on that side. And then as you grow this gap, the most powerful thing that you can do is take these dollars and put them towards your freedom because most people in life, they want to have freedom in life. So taking these dollars, put them towards your priorities and put them towards your freedom. So you can invest these dollars into some of these areas that we've talked about today. I like index funds and ETFs. You may like a different category, but that is one of the best things that you can do for yourself and for your family is invest those dollars towards your financial freedom. And what you're going to see is this is going to start to compound over time. It may feel like it's starting slow. It may feel like it's taking forever. But once you start to get to the point where maybe you have $100,000 invested, for example, then it starts to take off a little bit. And you can see compound interest starting to change. And this is how you can really have that freedom in place and really see your path to wealth start to accelerate. And this is one of the most powerful things I ever did. And I absolutely love talking about it. This is great advice. Grow the gap, everybody. Andrew, where can people listen to your incredible podcast and hear all great advice just like this? Absolutely. So we are on any podcast player that you are listening to to this podcast as well. And we are called the Personal Finance Podcast. So I uh, would love to have anybody who is listening to this. And this is the same exact subject. Andy and I align pretty much on everything. Andy has one of my favorite shows as well. So Personal Finance Podcast on any podcast player that you like to listen to. And then we are at Master Money Co. on any social. And then mastermoney.co is our website as well. Andrew, thank you so much for your time today. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Andy. I truly appreciate it. Like this is how the wealthy keep the wealth going in their family. Great lessons here, everybody. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Andrew Giancola. Number one, put on your own financial oxygen mask first. Helping your kids become wealthy sounds cool. Sounds pretty incredible. But you want to make sure you're financially set or at least on your way there before focusing on your children's financial future. As Andrew demonstrated, this comes from eliminating your high interest debts, establishing a solid emergency fund, becoming a homeowner, and putting away money for your retirement. When you're feeling financially strong, then you can put your focus on your kids. Number two, invest early. With your financial ducks in a row, you can turn your attention to investing for the big goals for your kids. That's college, that's home ownership, and that's their future retirement as well. The earlier we start investing for these things, the better opportunities our kids will have because compound interest works best when we have time on our side. Number three, talk about money with your kids. I love Andrew's party trick about helping his four-year-old son know the difference between an asset and a liability. (laughs) That's just so cool. I believe knowledge is more important than money when it comes to generational wealth. And I think Andrew demonstrated that. If our kids don't understand money and the responsibility that comes with it, then it'll get squandered and they'll lose it. You've seen this with people who come into money fast without experience and they don't know how to handle it. As a couple examples, according to Sports Illustrated, nearly four out of five former NFL players either go bankrupt or suffer severe financial distress within two years of retirement. Reader's Digest shares that about 70% of lotto winners lose or spend all that money in five years or less. 
So my point is, if you don't have experience or knowledge with something, you won't know how to handle it. It's like handing somebody a bike and saying, ride this bike if they've never ridden a bike before. Let's teach our kids about money early so they can become good stewards of it and then strengthen your family tree for generations to come. And those are my top three takeaways, everybody. I would love to hear from you on what yours were. Please hit me up on social media at Marriage Kids and Money on Instagram and at Andy Hill MKM on Facebook to keep the conversation going. As a quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing our show today and to Mandy Burt for her stellar writing on our blog. I'm excited to start a great new year with you both, and I'm looking forward to creating some great financial content with you both this year. Hey, if you want to create some more connections with like-minded people who are on a mission to improve their family's finances, well, you should join us in the Thriving Families Facebook group. This is a free Facebook group focused on helping young families thrive. Since it's the beginning of the year, we're asking people to share their goals for the year publicly. And research shows that when you state your goals publicly, you are more likely to actually get them done. I suppose it's the peer pressure. <laughs> anyway, longtime group member Carlos shared his big goal for the year. It's short and sweet, everybody. Paying off my credit card. I love it, Carlos. Very cool. Yes. And I know you've got this, man. I know you've got this. It's just inflation and the just general cost of life is making goals like this one that Carlos has harder and harder. It's true. But I'm hopeful that inflation will start to go down over this year and if we focus on finding ways to increase our income and decrease our expenses, we'll be able to hit our big goals faster. As Andrew talked about today, let's put our own financial oxygen masks on first so we have the strength and power to help our kids have a better life than we did. And that's what Carlos is going to do this year. I know it, man. Can I get a round of applause for our friend Carlos for sharing his big annual goal with us? All right, man. Very cool. Excited. If you are looking to make some connections with like-minded people like Carlos and get inspired by their goals for the year and maybe make that proclamation of what your goals are and feel that peer pressure to get them done, <laughs> please check out our free Thriving Families Facebook group. And it is at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's an easy way to get there. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. Or if you're in Facebook, just type in Thriving Families and you'll find it in there. I hope to see you there. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Warren Buffett. Someone sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree a long time ago. Let's plant some trees today, my friends. Carpe diem. 